Young Future Voices. The podcast by Fondation Jeune Scientifique Luxembourg. For our latest episode of the series, I had a chance to talk to the young Fursha attending COP28 in Dubai. It was great to hear the young minds reflect on political and legal procedures. We started with David Delizzotti, who in his latest contest project looked at biodiesels and their combustion. What were David's expectations and were they fulfilled? Yeah, so I, I thought it was going to be quite small and quite yeah, private with many politicians and when I got here, it was completely the opposite of, of what I expected. It was huge. It's like a city of its own. There's a bunch of pavilions. It's, yeah, it's like a, a moving city with a bunch of uh, politicians and, yeah, scientists also and people from different institutions. So, no, it's, it was really, I, I have to say, I was very impressed. Susanna Eang, the director of FJSL, was also there at the COP28. And it wasn't her first one. I already had the chance to attend the COP26 in Glasgow. So yeah, I already I already had an idea, more or less. But of course, Dubai is quite different because uh, because of the sun, because of the, um, the, the country uh, as well. And uh, yeah, this is quite different, pretty well organized and um, way bigger, if I can say like that. Of course, we will certainly talk about the challenges afterwards, but it doesn't have any big changement about um, the negotiation and so on. So, yeah, so for, for that point, not very big improvement, let's say. Alina Litka, our nuclear power expert among young Fursha, was surprised by the scale of COP. I thought it would be more like an expo, you know, like with a small booth for every country. Um, what I didn't expect is that every country basically had its own building. The green zone is extremely big, like there's so much to do and like, If you want to walk from one place to another, it might take you like at least 15 minutes. Ella Tham, who together with Amelia Hatch in the Young Fursha contest looked at adulterated milk in Luxembourg, had different expectations. It's definitely not what I expected. I kind of expected a more serious place where it was negotiators and countries carrying out talks about climate change. And it kind of feels more like a show a lot of the times here with like... The expos that are on in the different pavilions and stuff like that, it doesn't really feel as much of a conference as it should be, I think. Guillaume Trapp, who accompanied our scientists, told us about the Luxembourgish pavilion that was created for the World Expo 2022. So there was the Luxembourgish pavilion at the um, Dubai World Expo a few years ago, and the pavilion is still there. But it, it is now hosting an exhibition about water and um, the circuit of, of, of water on Earth. I mean, the, the way water flows and the difference between salty water and, 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 and river water. However, there's um, a smaller building that is for this cup called the Benelux Pavilion. So it's, it, it is a building that is shared between the Netherlands, Belgium, Luxembourg. And on the other side of the building, there are yet other countries. So the, the space is, is rather small, but it's the same for almost all countries in the world. They have small pavilions and they're not no longer connected directly to the pavilions that they built for the World, world Expo a few years ago. 
Bartłomiej Nowak, who you might remember from a few projects and a separate episode, not only got to see the blue zone of COP28, but also was interviewed by journalists. I was curious to know what questions they asked him. Well, I mean, pretty generic questions about like climate change on your personal feelings about it. It was, I mean, scripted one to one, I mean, 100% scripted, but still an interesting experience. <laughs> Ilona Dause, who participated in the contest with her work investigating the effect of sulfur dioxide on fruticose lichens in Luxembourg, got also surprised by the size of the COP. Just the area itself is massive, which I didn't expect. Like, it's so, it feels so futuristic all the buildings and it's just a massive area it felt really overwhelming because you can't really attend everything and in terms of more like what's actually happening i would say i was a bit disappointed with how the negotiations go because it's people talking about like the phrasing of a sentence for a long time rather than you know you'd expect it to go quicker but that's not really realistic and that's also how They're trying to pass policy to phase down fossil fuel rather than phase out. So you have all these expectations that it's going to be really quick and really very monumental, but it but it takes a lot longer and it's yeah, just expectations are too high, I would think. Yeah. From from the outside, the cop seems like such a you just you'd expect it to go quicker because it's such a big thing. You're like everyone, they've got everything they've got their information together they've got all the people they're working towards a common goal but that's obviously not the case because of every country has their own political agenda and they're all striving to get the best out for themselves so yeah i guess too altruistic view our first year could also meet the luxembourgish delegation attending the cop this time in person. Amelia Hatch, who this year also investigated the antiseptic properties of Manuka honey, told us. They mentioned that they have to meet a lot with, because they're a part of many different, many different groups like the EU, that they donate lots of money, that in the beginning of COP, a lot of countries donated to the loss and damages fund. And that was like a big thing to begin. And I think he also mentioned how like, because Luxembourg is part of the EU, I think it's that like the EU does the negotiations. Yeah. So it's not that Luxembourg negotiates by itself, but it's like EU as a whole that negotiates. Yeah, and I think you also mentioned kind of what Iona said, like a lot of it is just, you know, making sure that the phrasing is correct and like that the science behind it is understood by all, all the countries and how all countries need to come together to agree on one thing for them to continue on and how it can be like a really tedious process sometimes. Yeah, the decision has to be unanimous, so it's difficult. They have to, you know, politically exchange things. COP28 was also a chance to see quite a lot of interesting and important participants. Here's David. Yes, I actually saw someone very important today, a minister of the environment in Spain. Uh, at the European Union Pavilion. Yeah, no, this morning also when I walked into the, the COP, I saw around five ministers because they, they were going through the ministerial lane. So, yeah, no, you see important people everywhere. And, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it, we, I also get quite nervous because, yeah, they're, they're quite important people. We actually have a, a partner, so Use for Planets from uh, Luxembourg as well, and they're also supported by the Ministry of Environment. So they're here, and they have their uh, Creative Velo. I'm sure you already heard about uh, this uh, Creative Velo. And uh, the, their aim is to 
have a discussion with youngsters present here. But of course, you need to know that you cannot see a lot of youngsters here. So it's quite a privilege to be here uh, as a youngsters. But yeah, the end is to have this dis discussion with youngsters. And uh, this is a sort of platform to express their feelings, uh, maybe some advices about uh, how we can behave every day in favor of the climate. And so um, on a really international level, so you, you have a lot of different countries and uh, so um, very different perspectives, let's say. We have access actually to the, the whole blue zone, which is not accessible for everyone. So the green zone is a, a public area. So it is more about um, companies proposing, for example, uh, alternative energies, uh, you know, promoting for green energies and so on. Um, and uh, in the blue zone, we can say that it's more about panel of the discussions, of course, around climate change. And depending on uh, the countries, climate change um, is uh, quite different, you know, so... For me, well, what, what is uh, the most uh, interesting is, of course, education of youth for climate change. But Alina, uh, I know she attended uh, a lot of uh, nuclear topics talks. Yeah, Batek as well. I think you, you, you also uh, attended a lot of uh, different discussions. I can say that Ilona is also really interested on uh, ocean uh, na nature uh, plants. Voila. So, yeah, there is uh, topics for everyone here, really. It's amazing. So, to sum up, what was the most inspiring part of the COP28? Here's Ilona. I think, I think it was talking to, to Thomas and to the, to the ministers, honestly. Like, because at first they showed us some of the things about like, the, the new IPCC report, which was very negative. But then, you know, talking about just... Thomas is very positive and, you know, he talks to us about, like, the um, phasing down fossil fuels and how he really believes that this will happen. And, you know, hope from one person who knows a lot about what's going on obviously gives hope to, at least to me. So that was the most inspiring moment, I think, of the week, just, just talking to the people who are really, like, behind the scenes and then understanding why things are happening. That was, yeah, that was really interesting. And I think, well... At least for me, I there are some parts in the week where I just felt really kind of, I think the word in English is like demoralized. I just felt really down because all we could see was just negative things. Like I really, I really thought that I really thought that instead of just going for decarbonization, we would for bigger systemic changes. But then it was, you know, realizing that we we need decarbonization though first to make those first steps to systemic change. That was also that was also a very important moment for me. But yeah, I would say like the especially talking to people from from the government was like definitely yeah, yeah, very important for me this week. Bartomi again. It was probably one of the most interesting parts, like uh, talking to Luxembourgish delegation and learning a lot of new things about the power politics of COP, that it's not purely scientific, it's so much political diplomacy and these struggles which are really tough for anyone really and especially the diplomats negotiators coming here i mean just today i went to this like um, high level session in another like plenary uh, plenary meetings and you could see like all of the different views all the all of the different positions which somehow have to be reconciled it's like when you're actually inside this whole mechanism it just 
is so much more complex than it seems from outside. So you, you gain appreciation to how much these people have to deal with, right? To just get anything done, really. So that's my take. <laughs> Here's Ella. I think for me, I found it really interesting. I got to see uh, Hillary Clinton speak, and it's kind of representative of the fact that COP this year is looking at mitigating climate change more intersectionally and involving gender equity and youth policies on top of scientific data about climate change in order to combat. Amelia. Yeah, I agree. Also seeing Hillary Clinton speak and lead a panel on gender inclusivity and how that it really relates to climate change. And in order to solve the issue, you also need to solve the problem of gender equality. Alina. With some nuclear stuff. Um, a few days ago, they had this pledge where they, they all signed, I think it was like 22 countries that signed a pledge to triple nuclear by 2050. So I think that was that was pretty inspiring to me, but also just how like there are more pavilions that talk about nuclear and how like there are many like different talks being hosted. So I think there's like an increased awareness of like nuclear energy at these COP events. Here's David. So w- one interesting talk I attended was uh, also at the European Union pavilion where they were talking about the different renewable fuels and how we still need to find something even more efficient and even better because um yeah the the renewable fuels they still aren't as efficient as they can be but yeah no the the main takeaway for me was positive because yeah i see all these kind of delegates uh, debating and trying to change things and yeah i've witnessed it also uh, personally when i went to the the meeting room so no it's it's really positive and i think that yeah this is the the this is how we need to tackle it because it's not black and white. We can't just stop something. We need to kind of negotiate it and we need to find other solutions and cooperate between countries. So no, for me, the, the it's, it's quite positive. Guillaume again. I'm still very impressed to see this many people coming from almost two, 200 countries, over um, a little bit less than 200 countries, joining here at the same place at the same time to negotiate one text. Well, it's more than just negotiating, actually. It's really writing up a text from scratch, from zero, from a blank page. And they managed to do so. Well, hopefully they, they will they will get it done by the end of this week. And um, it is, at least Andrew Ferrone told us that this process um, is also very impressive to people at UN, for for instance, because usually at UN, when this when they decide something, the texts are already written somehow, and then it's just ratification. Whereas here, it it really starts from zero, and they get the job done. But as uh, Andrew also reminded us, and this is a quote from Laurent Fabius, who was the president of. Um, Paris COP that was so famous a few years ago, all these people are here not to agree on a text they are happy with, but they are here to agree on a text they are all equally unhappy with. And this is such a, I mean, twisted process that it is, um, it is really um, magnificent that, that it comes about in the end. Remember that next time you compete in the Young Fosher contest, you might stand a chance to participate in the next COP. There will be a possibility to continue this uh, great collaboration with the Ministry of Environment. 
we found out that it's so legitimate for our youngsters, the young scientists to be here with uh, their amazing project. And uh, with the Ministry uh, of Environment, we agree that, uh, yeah, this is something that is so important, you know, uh, even for the future uh, to show their amazing solution, new regard of uh, the climate. They will uh, definitely have this uh, chance to attend again the COP29, even if we don't know yet how it will work. But yeah, we will continue in that in that way to show uh, worldwide what the young for sure are capable of. <laughs> we do have uh, the date for the next competition. So it, it will start on March 14th up to March 16th. This is it for today. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode, the last of the series. And if you got interested, listen to the other ones. There are other nine episodes waiting for you to be discovered. Until then, bye! Young Future Voices The podcast by Fondation Jeune Scientifique Luxembourg.